Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and happy saturday morning to you low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 7 30 to 8 thank you for being a loyal listener i want to your host eric cox here with the lovely and talented hi i'm leslie haywood and thank you for sharing your saturday morning with us you know what today is leslie oh my gosh of course i do i'm what prepping for my party it is happy derby day cinco de derby de cinco all de mayo <laughs> cinco de derby college of derby charleston de weekend is this weekend it's a big weekend there's a lot going on there is there is it's funny i'm actually combining the two we're having margaritas and mint juleps tonight Ooh. Hats and habaneros and saddles and salsa. Ay, 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 ay. They're it. off. Wow, you are ready. <laughs> Holy smokes. Low country. Get ready for a great show this <laughs> morning. Be a party. Maybe she's already had some. <laughs> no, I had to test the margaritas. <laughs> make sure that they're on. It's going to be a fun show. This is great. <laughs> what do you got for us? Oh, well, the past two weeks, what we've had Peter Viba with Engel and uh, Volkner's. Engel and Volkers. Yep, yep, yep. Talking about life as an immigrant from Russia and then Germany and then Indiana and becoming a Southerner via Savannah and now Charleston. Um, That was quite an amazing story. And talk about a truly international business person. As with most of our guests, his story of adversity and adaptation was um, super inspiring. And being in the real estate, I don't think that there's a person in that business that wasn't pretty much brought to their knees in 08. And his mistake of being over leveraged was one that we can all learn from, especially, I don't know, right now things are good. But as with most things, what goes up must come down and what goes down will come back up. And I know that he had heeded that warning and learned from that mistake. Um, but I think it's something that we all should. We all should remember. Another great testament to what we all experience as entrepreneurs, and that's the twists and turns of life mm-hmm. and the challenges mm-hmm. of, of running your own business. But yet the glories, and certainly Peter did a great job of eloquently talking about uh, what he's been through in his life. Yeah, and, uh, I love the the thought of you know hard work and being honest, but serving others. He's talked a lot about serving others, and I really love that as a core philosophy in running a business because it always yeah. does come back to you. It does. What so that's around? exciting. Yeah, thank yes. you, Peter, again for a great show. And uh, as we always do, we're flipping the page to our next guest. And uh, in studio this morning, we have Mora uh, Kasava. Mora, thank you for joining us this morning on a beautiful Saturday. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We are excited to dive in and hear all about your background. Before I do, by the way, ladies, any one of you have um, – do you have a horse uh, that you're – No, not yet. Uh-huh. Not yet. No, but I will be I will be picking. I will, will be drawing names. You want help? No. Because uh, uh-huh. <laughs> we could do an audible. <laughs> get it? Starting from the number five position, that would be a good bet. Oh, uh, you didn't get I that. Got, did no, I didn't get that. Or how about my boy Jack? Uh, my, see, you go know with my your boy horses. Jack. It's a long shot. I think eighteen to one. My boy Jack, put your money on it. That's awesome. I'm a part of the profits. So, 
Anyway, Maura, we're glad to have you in this morning. Um, independent fitness and mindset coach. Yep. Uh, we're certainly going to go into your background. I know you've got a great story to tell. We're excited to hear it. But before we dive into all that, we'd love to uh, give you a chance just to take 20 seconds or so and give us a, a little mini commercial about what is it exactly that you do. Yep. I am, as you said, a fitness and mindset coach, and I get to coach groups of people online, actually, something that I never thought that I'd be doing through fitness, nutrition, mindset, you know, forming new habits, just kind of coaching them in all areas of their life and, and really creating change in people's lives. And and how awesome. do people find you online? Like, they can go to my website, moirakasaba.com, um, social media, Instagram, you might want Facebook, to spell that one, all that. Yes, I know, yes. I know. I will. Right <laughs> yeah. now? Go ahead. Go ahead. It's Moira, M-O-I-R-A, Kasaba, K-U-C-A-B-A. Perfect. Very yeah. good. Awesome. Well, let's take, as we always do, let's take it back a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. go all the way back. So where were you born and raised? Yes, I was born in a really small town up in Maryland on the eastern shore, Salisbury, Maryland. And pa- parents, sisters, yes. brothers. Um, I am the youngest of six. Oh. So we were the Brady Bunch, three boys, three girls, good old Irish Catholic family. And yeah, it was fun. It was a good time. So what was life like as a youngster in that household? Mm. With, I'm sure a lot of chaos going on. Lots of chaos, lots of love, lots of, you know, as a really looking back, you don't realize it when you're young, but a super stable, loving, you know, Christian home. We went all into Catholic school. We did all the things, you know, um, but, you know, parenting-wise, there wasn't that much going on because I was the last one. <laughs> right. So I was kind of on my own with that. I know. It's like yeah. I only have two. And I, by the second one, yeah. I mean, she, I'm just like, She's whatever. I know. Yeah. You're, you're raising yourself. I'm done. I'm 100%. Out. So how were you at school as a, in elementary school and, and yeah, middle you know, I school think and high school? It's an important part of the story, I think, because I came in, I feel like I came into the world with kind of a lot of God-given talents. You know, I was... I was that kid that just, I was good at, I hate to say it because it sounds a little egotistical, but I was good at whatever I did. I, you know, I was the best on the sports teams. I was the best academically. I was just whatever I tried, piano, anything I kind of excelled at. So again, another reason why, you know, she doesn't really need to be parented. She's doing amazing. Like, you know, we don't need to do much here. So I, I excelled at pretty much everything, but I think that's a core part of the story. Um, I don't know if we want to jump right ahead, but um, I fell into addiction in high school. And for a lot of years, I looked back on that and I was like, you know, why did that happen? I came from this stable home environment. I had I had all the things in place to like thrive. And, you know, I wasn't the typical addict story. But what I kind of realized is, you know, coming into the world and my parents didn't really give me a ton of praise I'm meaning that they were just they knew not to kind of put the emphasis on my accolades. They knew to kind of put the emphasis on just me as a human being. So it didn't even come from them. But the pressures of keeping that up, you know, as you got older, I mean, it's fun when you're eight or nine or 10. But when you get into high school and you start thinking, like, I've got to keep this up, I've got to continue to be the smartest, I've got to continue to be the best athlete. It, it gets kind of overwhelming as a young child, you know? See, I have a ninth grader in high school right now. Mm-hmm. So I am like going, okay, what, what? Right. So yes, it's so. Cause what, we all want our kids to be the best at everything. Right. Yeah. So tell me about that first 
time that you tried whatever it is yeah. that you tried like yeah what, it was how did that happen and i'm taking notes yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean it was just your typical high school drinking you know ninth grade and and it was alcohol for sure at that point um and i just think i also believe personally that you know i did say irish catholic family so i think that i have the genetic predisposition of that you know i didn't have any alcoholism in my immediate home or family but it's definitely in my extended family And so I think I have the genetics to set me up for that with the personality of being a perfectionist and driven and just, you know, I'm all or nothing in everything. And so I think when I found alcohol for me, it was just like this pressure release valve. You know, it was like I can finally stop doing. I can finally stop running. I can finally just take a break. And it just became my escape. And I just I did that like I did everything else. A hundred and fifty percent. And being that you were, you know, putting pressure on yourself for all these aspects of Mm -hmm. your life, you're in high school. Were you thinking at all about the future? Were you thinking down the road about a profession and what you want to do when you grow up? Yeah. So I always wanted to be a doctor. Like I'm one of those kids that from my we have a lot of health professions, professionals in my family. And from the youngest age, I can remember that. I was just, uh, you know, really interested in anatomy and physiology and the body and all of these things and really just had that desire in my heart to help people. So it was really clear that I was, you know, at that point, it was like, well, I'll become a doctor. And um, and so I had that desire. And, you know, if you know a lot about addiction and, and alcoholism, I mean, when you fall into that, when you truly cross the line, those dreams start to go away. You know, I can remember my senior year in high school um, getting caught with like all the other like the homecoming queen, the class president. We all got caught drinking at the high school dance and we got we got suspended, which meant we couldn't play sports. And at that point, I was far enough along in my alcoholism that it was a relief to me. It was a relief that I didn't have to show up and perform and be this star athlete. But looking back, like I threw away my college scholarships. And that wasn't even on the radar at that point because alcohol had taken mm. taken over, you know. And so so that senior year, were you did you look at college? Was that dream of being a doctor over for you by no, then? I mean, I, I you get a little delusional, you know, you think it's still going to happen. You know, my mom always said, I don't know how you do it, but you always land on your feet, which I always landed on my feet. And so I still thought that that was going to happen. That was still kind of the plan. I just thought, well, I'm not going to get the full ride. I'll just go to a different school. I'll do it a different way. You know, I was kind of the master. Um, I don't want to say master manipulator, but like master figure outer. You know, I could right. always figure out a different way to kind of get where I wanted to get to. And now I know that. Uh, let me jump back in there. Maybe but I, as, 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 a, as, a, <laughs> as a parent, like how were your parents, um, were, were they in the know about how serious the problem was you know no i don't think so i really kept it away from home and i really kept you know i i never got in trouble like i wasn't the girl like i always got out of the trouble and so i think the thing was they weren't really uh, i mean you got six kids and they both worked full time you know so that's really hard to have a handle on really what's going on in your kids lives but also i was the kid that i still got the grades i still was doing all the outside things and so they really didn't see through that um, and so, yeah, I think it was, you know, and you're in denial as a parent, you know, you just don't see it in your own children, not at all. And so post high school, talk about sort of how the path led from there. Yeah. So I went to college in my hometown. 
Um, my parents kind of had this rule where like, you got to go to school here. We got six kids and you got to prove your, you got to prove yourself before we're going to pay like out of state tuition or anything like that. So I went to school there and it was a really small college, small town. And it just kind of that path continued. I mean, I can look at every year actually ended up getting sober when I was 21, but I can look at those years and it was just like a complete downward spiral. You know, every month, every year was just. I mean, at the end of my drinking, I was drinking literally around the clock every day. Like I was a full blown, I don't, I can't really say functioning alcoholic because I wasn't going to classes or anything like that, but I actually needed it to like be able to function. I needed alcoholic function in life, you know? So what was the turning point for you? Yeah. You know, it's funny because everybody thinks that like bad things happen and you get this wake up call. And I think for addicts and alcoholics, it's just not that way. You know, I had the DUIs. I got, you know, I went to jail and like one night and um, all those bad things happened. But it just it almost makes you go down that path more because you're so ashamed and you just you can't even comprehend what's happening in your life. And the only thing that makes you feel better is by numbing it more. And so I ended up moving to California, like complete whim, just like I'm out. I'm out, you know, geographic cure is what we call it. And they never work because wherever you go, there you are. Right. And I ended up moving to San Diego and, um, and you know, I really, I hit rock bottom on the inside, you know. And so it wasn't the outside things. It was more just that, I mean, I really, truly at 21, I, I didn't know how not to drink and I didn't know how to live without it. I mean, I couldn't go a few hours or certainly not a day without without drinking. And so I was caught between that rock and that hard place of like not knowing how to live with it, not knowing how to live without it. And I just didn't see another solution when you're trapped in addiction besides, you know, just, you know, suicide or whatever that is. I would definitely say I had suicidal thoughts. And I ended up randomly meeting a girl out complete coincidence i believe a very much a god thing and um she was full of life and she was like the life of the party and she wasn't drinking and she ended up saying she was sober and she was recovering alcoholic and i didn't know anyone at that point i truly didn't know anyone under the age of like what i thought was old maybe 60 i didn't think anyone got sober like i didn't know that was a thing that younger people did and um so i reached out and asked her for help Wow. And so at th- at that point, uh, yeah, tell us how did that journey start to sobriety? And then what were your thoughts about when once you could see clearly, what did you think the future held for you? You know, I was a little behind. I was a little behind the eight ball at that, at that right. point. Did you, you know? get it? Did you wind up with a degree at this point? Yeah. So I ended up going back to college in, in okay. San Diego okay. and, and okay. getting a degree. So after the the smoke had cleared and just trying to kind of get my life back together and find my way, you know, I think. When you're when you've gone through those types of things at that age and you've hit such a rock bottom, I mean, you have you look at life differently and and you really have kind of come back from the dead, Mm -hmm. you know, and you've got another chance. And and so I really dug into kind of this path of personal development, this path of like spiritual development and and just kind of tried to find my way. And I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to go back and, and pursue that dream of medicine And I got just kind of your typical sales job. It was just an advertising sales job at like a local uh, newspaper. And I ended up calling on a Pilates studio. I didn't know what Pilates was. Nobody knew what Pilates was kind of back in that day. 
And there was just that, there was a gut feeling, like the most kind of overwhelming intuition that I'd ever had that this was going to be a path, meaning I, I, I looked at it a little bit and I thought, this is something I could do. You know, Pilates at that time was very um, kind of, it was another level. It wasn't like at your local gym. You know, there were kinesiology majors and physical therapists, and those were the types of people teaching Pilates. Mm-hmm. And I thought I could go through the certification. I could teach, love what I'm teaching, and that will also let me afford my, you know, I can go back to school. That was kind of the initial path that I thought I was going to take. And by the way, in case you just turned on uh, the radio and you're one <laughs> whose voice that is, it's that of Moira Kasaba. Again, independent fitness and mindset coach here in the Low Country. And uh, Moira, you're talking about this whole discovery of sort of the Pilates world. And I think eventually you end up opening up your own studio. Yep. And I'm assuming that is your first real entrepreneur experience. Yes. So let's talk a little yeah. bit about the, the, the thought of running your own business and doing that when all along from childhood, you're thinking about going to be a doctor. Yeah. And I think what's important to realize is like we have to be open to other paths, you know, and what we think is our path is not always what's intended for us. And so I just went I just became a Pilates instructor so I could afford to go back and pursue med school. And I was training under kind of a master instructor in San Diego, but I was an independent contractor. So I had to run my own show from the get-go. You know, I had to manage my clients. I had to manage, you know, just all the things that you do as an independent contractor. And I decided to move from San Diego back east, kind of looked on the map, saw Charleston, and like, again, gut instinct in an instant. I was like, that looks great. I didn't want to go back to Maryland. It was way too cold there after living in Southern California. I wasn't going to live in Florida because Florida's Florida and who wants to do that? I just, you know, I, I don't know. I was 21 right. years old. Twenty. Well, I was right. probably 23. No. We'll all go to Boca when we're seven. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so I looked at the map and, and I had to live on the ocean. And I was like, well, there's not many cities. Let me look at Charleston. I think I looked at it for about five minutes and I thought that place looks perfect. So I decided to move to Charleston. At what I, age and what year was this? Yeah, this was about, I don't know what year. I'm horrible with years, but I was like 24. And so I had a few years of sobriety. And so I was 24 years old. I was going to come back east because I just knew that this is where I wanted to put roots down eventually. And my mentor in San Diego kind of just said to me, why are you going to work for someone else? You know more. You've had more experience. Like, you know, all this West Coast training, you're kind of at a different level. You just need to go open up your own business. And it was just that instant like, what are you thinking? Are you crazy? And then instant like, well, yeah, you're right. Absolutely. That's what I need to do. And I was kind of young and naive, but I think mindset, like let's talk mindset for another, for a second. I never even looked at the option of, I never looked at another option from that moment forward. That was, became the plan. I'm moving back East. You know, let me look at the demographics of the area. Let me decide where I need to put a studio. And I never thought, I never thought, what if this doesn't work, <laughs> right? You know, thank God for being young. Exactly. No, I, I know. I think about it that all the time, looking back at, you know, my first entrepreneurial venture. If I had oh. known how hard it was yes. and everything that I would go through, I'm so glad I was so stupid. Yes, I, I 100%. Never done it. 100%. Well, isn't that a common thing we hear week in and week out on the yes. show is you know, when people talk about 
pursuing their entrepreneurial endeavors. And we all said, God, if we knew it had all that involved, we probably wouldn't actually gone there. Yes. So thank God we didn't. Yeah. Um, cause you know, not knowing is, is great. I know right? it's great. Ignorance <laughs> yeah. is bliss. Yes. <laughs> so you, um, you come back or you come to Charleston and you open up this studio. You mentioned before one of the key elements of that more was your mentor. Mm-hmm. And we like to talk a lot about, you know, who do you turn to in life along the journey and so talk about that relationship with the mentor that helped give you either the, the thought, the courage, whatever it was yeah. to go start your first business. The confidence and the belief, you know, is is just so important. And, and one of my biggest things in life is like who you surround yourself with is everything. You know, mm-hmm. if if he had been somebody that said, what are you thinking? You can't do that. You know, you've got to go this path. You know, I was also very impressionable. I would have listened to that. But his impression was, are you crazy you absolutely have to go open up your own your own place. And he just instilled that belief in me and, and I just didn't see it any other way. And so, yes, that is so important. And, you know, I had people in my life that encouraged me in that dream and believed in me and, and, and just backed that up. Like, yes, 100%. That's what you're going to do. It's going to be great. And so I came here and I can say that first entrepreneurial, you know, path for me was kind of safe. It wasn't a huge business. I kind of started really small. And as I, you know, got clients and I made more income, I reinvested in the business and expanded it a little bit. And so I just, I really kind of just kept putting a little bit more in, getting a little bit bigger, very, very safe. Like compared to what I've done in the last five or 10 years, it was a safe entrepreneurial dream. Um, but again, I, I don't think a lot of people probably would have done that. But right. I've just always had that mindset like, why not? Why not? I never want to be the person that looks back and regrets taking a chance. Right, right. And I'm sure that you learned a lot in that first Mm -hmm. business in those early years. So um, for those listeners that are thinking about jumping off that cliff, what uh, what is a lesson that you learned early on in entrepreneurship? Maybe a mistake that you made that you want to impart some wisdom yeah there's so much i think you know one of something i was just thinking about this morning because i've got some friends that are actually in this going through this right now and you know they're in their 40s and it gets a lot scarier and you've got kids that are depending on you yes yes and you know i think there's a big difference between being interested and being committed and you've got to be committed and when you're committed it's just, you just do it. You know, you don't get stuck in your head. You don't get stuck in your fears. You're committed to that end result and you just do whatever it takes, whatever it takes. And I think you have to know that you, you know, somebody, I'm sure you've heard this, like compared it to having a newborn baby, like you yeah. are going to be up all night. You're going to be attached to this thing 24 seven. Right. And you have to know that, you know, I think some people think I want to work for myself so I can like make my own schedule. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really how it goes. <laughs> you know, right. The thought of it sounds great. And right. It just right. doesn't work that way. No, end, right? not at all. And it takes a while. You know, it takes a while to build. It takes a while to get things off the ground and build a reputation and all of that stuff. So in the last couple of minutes we have uh, yeah. in this morning's show, talk about, because uh, I know next week we're going to get into more what you're doing now, sure. but the Pilates studio, sort of how that unfolded and what happened as the story went along. Yeah. So I started really small. I actually, like I said, it was safe. I rented space within a gym because that was, you know, lower o- overhead. I didn't have to, you know, up come up with all these things up front. And then as my clientele grew, I, you know, went out and I leased my own space. I brought on a partner. So it grew and it evolved and we had, you know, workshops and massage therapists and like all the moving parts, 
which again was really fun and it was the dream you know it was the dream that everybody thinks is amazing um and for me it just got old over time i kind of did everything that i could do with that and i know my husband was always like why don't we franchise and i was like with a pilates studio people really come for you and it's you can't franchise yourself you know and i knew if i was going to franchise at that point it was just going to truly become a business and it wasn't going to be about the relationships anymore so i didn't want to go down that road and um then i started having babies and so i just thought you know after like 13 years of having the studio i i just was kind of done meaning i loved what i did it was easy and that that's what made it the hardest thing it was super easy i was really good at it and so it was really easy to make an income that way it's really hard to walk away from mm-hmm. something like that but i knew what i believe was like god's like okay time's up you like i i got i'm calling you to something else like you've got to do other work in the world there's you know you're not going to do this for the next 20 years and quite frankly i didn't feel like that sounded very exciting i didn't want to do that for another 20 years i'd kind of maxed out what i could do in the pilates world right you yeah. know and was there something um that led you to the next thing or just that it was an opportunity uh, and we might have to do that next week. We're, we're getting close. Yeah. Oh my and goodness. I'll just, well, I'll just wrap it up by saying I spent a couple years really trying to figure it out. You uh-huh. know, I was a new mom. I had toddlers and I just was stuck in that. What's going to be this next step? Your next like, chapter. What's going to allow me to be a mom, but still pursue my passion and change people's lives? Like, what's what's it going to be? And I was wrapped up in that confusion for several years. Uh-huh. And you bring up a great point. We haven't had a lot of conversation on this show about, and that is... Um, having the courage to leave a business that mm-hmm. you're doing well at, you're comfortable at, it's your own business, but yet knowing your heart, there's a yeah. better, different path ahead. So yeah. certainly next week, we're going to dive into that. Awesome. Hear all about it. It's hard to believe. Gone like that, that. Time this morning, right? Uh, again, uh, Mora Kasaba, thank you so much for your time. Independent fitness and mindset coach, thanks for your story this morning. and look forward to hearing the second half next week. I know. Great. Make sure and follow us at Beyond the Business on our Facebook page and at Twitter. And in case you uh, missed any of our recent editions of Beyond the Business, don't worry, don't fret. Go to our website at coastalwm.com, click the radio icon, and you can listen to all of our podcasts from the last four years. Great entrepreneurship. What a wonderful thing to do in between Cinco de Mayo and the Kentucky Derby. This aye, 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 so, aye, aye, aye. Have a great weekend, low country, and thank you for listening to our show. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 7:30 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.